3: and earth school is hard. In fact, you taught me that.
2: Let's crush earth school together. Welcome to
3: Insider's Guide to the Other Side, a production of iHeartRadio.
2: Carrie is someone who doesn't sit on the sidelines at all. She is fully engaged in your life. If you are lucky enough to be in her frequency, in her orbit, you find her engaging and fully present. And It's truly her presence that is healing and inspiring and grace and giggles. It's the best mix you can imagine. I can't wait for you to experience her today and just benefit from her blessings. And with that, I turn it back to my
3: album. It's like you don't even need me, though, on this episode. (laughs) Actually, I don't think you need Carrie either. We should just sign off (laughs) and be like, go bye. Good luck, Bill. Bye-bye. So... It, that's a really hard to follow up. So I'm going to go with my strongest question for my not so famous, not so fast speed round, which is <laughs> Carrie fruity pebbles or cocoa pebbles. Fruity. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I wish we were actually going to release this recording so everybody could see how excited I just got. I was like a 12-year-old.
2: Um, she means the video recording. She the video mean. recording.
3: That's what I meant, the video recording. Yeah. Thank you, Foodie Pebbles. They're my favorite too. What is your favorite book of all time as an author? Like that's always a hard question, I think.
4: My favorite book of all time would be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe.
3: <gasps> wow. Okay. That's a good one. Now- this is one of one of my favorite questions to ask and to be asked. But in this case, I'm asking is, <laughs> would you, Brenda, shush. Now, uh, who would you invite to a dinner party of our dearly departed? It can be anyone. I mean, you can throw, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in there if you want to, but like it's all yours. And let's say you have six to choose from. Oh, geez. I wouldn't have a dinner party that big. <laughs> Okay, four. Oh my God! Fine, pick four. Who was that? Your dearly departed. My people.
4: I had an anxiety attack just thinking about that. They have to be dead.
3: Yes, they have to be dead.
4: Dead inside. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um.
3: (laughs) <laughs> That's a much bigger dinner party, I'm afraid.
4: Right. Who wouldn't you bring? Oh, my gosh. Six dead people. To or dinner. four.
3: Fuck. I don't care what you would do. Pick, <laughs> pick two. I don't care. We're never going to get through this if you introverts keep doing this to me. I
4: mean, I, I can only think of, like, people that are alive that I want to hang out with. Okay, so I guess I would have my dad at a dinner party. <laughs> You know, I think that that would be nice. You can invite my mom.
3: You can invite I any would, of my people. I got you know
4: what? I'd have our three dads.
3: Actually, there you I'm, go. I'm
2: not inviting mine. <laughs> <laughs> he could not RSVP. There is,
3: and and it is a no alcohol allowed dinner party.
4: Yeah, that would be that would. Not. Probably. They probably wouldn't come over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. Um, we are bad daughters right now. This is the Bad Daughter Club. I like it.
4: Oh, my gosh. That is so hard for me to... Wrap my head around three. I mean, say I've already cut it down to three dead people.
3: You did, and you cut it down to two. You don't. You've you've never met, so that's good.
2: <laughs> that's good, actually. <laughs> like I'm out. You can also say pass, Carrie. You, you can say pass because
3: Brenda's like actually every night at dinner I have dead people, so I don't know why this is an interesting I, question.
2: I have uh, I'd have Kenny
4: Rogers. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, so
3: it's been a would, fun to be time. leave me loose. Oh, I would have music
4: people. Awesome. I would have it probably be full of like dead musicians. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like- lots. You know, Prince would be nice to have over. Kenny Rogers. I mean there's so many that have died. Right. I think don't you think they'd be friends? <laughs> David I Bowie. I think that would be an odd yeah, David Bowie. Excellent. There's so many. I'm going to come back to that. That was good. (laughs) That was
3: good though. you finally got there. I probably should have prepped you with that question. Apparently I didn't realize it was going to be so complicated and difficult, but you are very funny and I do love that. So hopefully this won't be as boggling. So uh, you have superpowers, right? I mean, we heard Brenda's version, but like what, what are your superpowers?
4: I think I'm good at connecting dots, like invisible threads when I see or feel something or hear people talk.
3: Oh, that's a good one. Is that called Claire Dots?
4: Claire, I'm a, <laughs> I have Claire Dognuts <laughs> Dognutsons. <laughs> that's
3: really good. Oh my God. This is like a girl part. This is like a sleepover. If you could pick a superpower, what would it be?
4: To act to really truly thoroughly read someone's mind. <laughs> like, you know, without question.
2: Mm. I would not want that. <laughs> That's
3: impressive. Like I want to move. Green I want to move shit. Yeah. I want to move shit. I want to go. Yeah. So like, you
4: want to be Magneto and I want to be Jean Grey.
3: Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. Right. I don't know who
3: those people are. <laughs> no. I gave you that homework years ago to watch those damn movies, Brenda. You got an F.
2: I got, and... I got through one half.
3: <laughs> okay. So finally, and the most important question of them all is what's your favorite crystal?
2: Rose Quartz.
3: Nice work. I
2: now hand it over to you,
3: my my witchy poo.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Carrie, for entertaining my dearly, dearly thoughtful elf. (laughs) Let's talk about your book, okay? Okay. Good Good luck, Bill. First of all, why don't you explain to our readers who Bill is?
4: Bill is my father, and we were estranged from each other for about 20 years and we reconnected unbeknownst to both of us during the last year of his life. And from that experience, I wrote my memoir. It's just good luck.
2: Oh so lucky. So right, yeah. right. Well, good luck, Carrie, right? That was good, that was really fortunate, <laughs> right? For you. Because yeah. so many people wait until it's too late, right? right? That reunion doesn't happen while they're here. So so important. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My elf?
3: I have to tell you, Kara, I was so incredibly moved by your ability and your courage to face your own life. And, you know, obviously you're talking about your being estranged from your dad. So clearly that's no fun. And there's a lot of emotions that are tight wrapped up in that. It starts to create who we are, build who we are. What helped you manage those buffet of emotions and dealing with your own stuff with this?
2: And she's going to answer that when we come back from this
1: break. Truth, oh, Lord. <laughs>
5: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
6: Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com.
3: All right, everybody, we are back from uh, Brenda's break, which is, they are now branded as that because it rhymes. So that's not a bad thing. So um, just to recap my question until Brenda rudely interrupted me in the middle of it for Carrie was, you know, what helped you manage this whole buffet of emotions and dealing with all your own stuff with this? I think this is, I think important for people, for our listeners to understand is like, how do you deal with effectively? I mean, you said a strange, but you're abandoned. You're dealing with abandonment. So how did you do because so much comes with that? What did you do? What were your
2: things? Let's start when you were younger. Like how did you connect in with yourself to begin healing?
4: Right. So at the time I I didn't know that the things that I was doing to cope were, you know, pretty powerful spiritual tools. (laughs) I spent a lot of time in meditation as a child. And I had very specific places I would go to to be alone, and like I, I did not know that I was meditating, but I knew that I was connecting to something else to you know quiet my mind or. I
2: told you guys, she's sheer magic,
4: <laughs> or just tap into something else, you know. So I don't know if I would call it maybe as an escape, but more as a tuning in, just so that I would stay calm. And then yeah, music. Well, I also,
2: I also- <laughs> Like, you know, we all, growing up, we all had, like, I'm unhappy, I'm scared, I'm not sure, all those feelings as a child where you're not in, you're not powerful, you can't control things, but you kept going in to reconnect with yourself and, like, know your truth and, and sort of, like, fill yourself up again with energy in these quiet spaces when you lived in chaos. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. And I,
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I, I didn't know that I was doing that, which is is fascinating to me still as a mother and just an observer of of humans, like the that spiritual life of children that maybe they don't even know that they have until they get older or pe- people around them most of the time aren't aware of what their kids are going through, which I find fascinating and because I think everybody is born with these tools.
2: It's our natural state, right? It, yeah.
4: Right. And I've I do feel fortunate that well, I don't what for better or worse, I was alone enough to tap into them, <laughs> you know, and and really stay, I guess, as grounded as possible.
2: That's so so, great. Yeah. And and you said something about music. Tell me about that.
4: Yeah, I mean that's always that's still it's a crutch, it's a muse, <laughs> it's a inspirational force, it's by medicine you know, I have music on all the time. So I listened to a lot of music as a kid, and I still adore it. And I feel like there's a lot of healing power with it. And I feel like, I mean, Brenda, you and I have talked about our our guides can talk to us quite a bit
3: through the music that plays in our heads, or that we just (laughs) choose or seek out. Yeah. It's very transcendent, right? I mean music that's is it allows us to escape and allows us and it changes our body chemistry. It changes
2: right. it you ch- know it hits our frequency, right? It, it, it right. it's the heart the the emotional layer in in your field. And it will shift and hopefully raise your frequency when you, you, sometimes even if it brings on tears, it can be very cleansing. Because a lot of people use music like like my elf uses movies on planes. <laughs> so like to create crying and release and healing that way. Yeah. I, I'm an
3: airplane crier, just in case people didn't know that.
2: <laughs> I yeah, am. It's one of our superpowers. Um,
3: it is that's amazing,
2: <laughs> but but music can do the same thing. Like all of a sudden music will hit you and you'll be in tears and, and it, you don't even have to be conscious of why, but it's just this release that's been looking for a pathway out. Right.
3: Yeah. I, I have a question. What was your biggest surprise when you found the courage, which I still think is incredibly impressive, when you found the courage to reach out and to engage with Bill? Like, What was the biggest surprise that you had through this? What you didn't expect. Because you all we go into everything with some expectation.
4: How much I liked him mm. and how much um I needed him.
2: After twenty years you felt that. Yeah. During yes. those twenty years, did you did you feel that? Did you feel like I need him? Or did you feel like no. I need him? Yeah.
3: the exact opposite. Well, that's of course. Like listen, the three of us have a, a lot in common. You know, we've had we have all have daddy issues. And I think it's probably the fairest way to put it. And, you know, when we all deal with these issues, whether it's a mother issue, daddy issue, but what we all share right now are daddy issues. But I think when we deal with these things, we tend to shut down. You know, I mean, I, I know as a kid, boy, I had some skills to shut down. And so to be able to. Kind of, like, you know, jump over those, those walls and to realize that there's another emotional world out there and to start to feel again is probably one of the hardest things, the hardest chasms for us to cross. Okay. I don't think that was a question, that was just a statement. <laughs> I'm a terrible interviewer sometimes because I'm just pontificating. Because, you know, I think, and we also carry with us, you know, we've talked about this before, but this inherited trauma. Right, so there's abandonment, there's alcoholism, there's all these things that are attached to it. And so, do you feel like, because you're mom, and do you feel like that you've been able to break these cycles for yourself and for your kids?
4: I feel like that's uh, still a work in progress. I, I definitely feel any, the first step of that is awareness, and I can say confidently I'm aware of certain patterns, you know, in our f- family cycles, and so. Being mindful of that is the first step. And then just kind of still learning, you know, learning as we go. But yeah, the there's a lot to that, to breaking family dynamics. And when I went back and spoke with Bill, I was able to see the cycles that he experienced and the ones that he was not able to break. And that definitely made me more aware of what I needed to do as a parent or as a human and and hopefully change that dynamic going forward.
2: Carrie, did you have help in that specific part of your journey? Did did you ever do therapy or AA or something like that? OCOA, something. Um, <clears throat> <A-C-O-A>. No. <laughs> I, <didn't, laughs>
4: I did not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't have help on that level, but I, at you know, in terms of a therapist or, you know, a support group or anything, but I had help, I feel, spiritually. Mm. So I felt very supported. You know, it was it was hard sometimes to go visit him every week. And, you know, I just had to get up and face it. And then that momentum built, and then it got easier and easier. So I felt a lot of support in that way. And I just knew I had to do it.
2: And I love the progression of the book because like you can see like how traumatizing it is in the beginning and how much it took from you and the recovery. And, and then it it became almost normal for you to see him weekly. Right. And then, you know, as, and then the journey continues to develop and yeah, it's, it's a great story.
3: What triggered you to reach out? Like what was the event?
4: My spouse at the time we were having some, marital issues. And he said that I was just like my father.
2: (laughs) Okay. That is an off limits in any relationship to say you're just like whatever parent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
4: given that he'd never met him (laughs) and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And obviously that triggered me because I did not care much for my dad. So, and I'm thankful that he said that. I am so thankful that he said that to me and everything happens for a reason. And I feel that had he not brought that up, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have ever connected with my, my parent again. So,
2: wow. wow, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That's a hell
3: of a trigger. So that's really started all of that for you, right? right like he told you you're like your dad who he never met and only heard your stories your version right. of him at that time
2: I'm sure your other the rest of your family contributed to the stories as well right would your siblings and your mom have shared stories with your your husband no
4: people didn't really talk about him okay you no know, he didn't really talk about him much. My sister would see him sometimes and you know he just he no one really talked about him much except say that. You know i look like him <laughs> you <know. laughs> or you know stuff like that that he was fun but nothing deep you know, but my husband knew that I did not care for my father. So he knew what he was doing. He was mad at me. I mean, it's okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh, he was okay. hitting right below the boat, <laughs> right below the belt. Listen, my brother has told me multiple times that I am like our grandmother. And we all know, based on previous <laughs> episodes, how I felt about her. Yeah. So I understand the insult of the, the insult that, that happens with that. And well, I'm not great. grateful for to him for calling me that for the record.
2: But what's so great is, Carrie, you know, because I think because of your connection, your deep connection with spirit you were able to take something that would have been so wounding. I'm not saying it didn't hurt, but go, okay, what's in this for me? How can I use this for the greater good? That's, that is high yogi, right? That's <laughs> extraordinary. And with that, <laughs> we're gonna take another break. <laughs>
5: Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for-product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
6: Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty.
3: All right, everybody, we are back with Carrie. And I have a question because I loved your book. I I read it and... I'll, say, I'll call it one and a half sittings. Don't make me explain. But it's, I write it very quickly because I, and when I do that, that means I love it and I'm engaged. And, you know, when I was reading it, I was looking at all these connections about, you know, what we talk about on the show and how it's related to your book. And your book isn't like the kind of books we normally talk about, right? I mean, it's, you know, we talk a lot about books, about people that had NDEs or, you know, you know many lives, many masters or, you know, a ghost photographer. But in yours, what I think is really fascinating is, is I think it was a metaphor, and that's what I'm going to ask you. So, when you reconnected with your father, he talked about this whole alien thing. I took it as a metaphor, I think I that's have, what it was. I should was,
2: have known where you were going. I really I did it. My I, bad. I should have known where you, you were should going. have
3: totally known where I was going. What is wrong with you? It's not like we just met yesterday, lady. I
2: know. I'm behind. I'm behind.
3: <laughs> so, will you talk to us about how about this because this alien baby metaphor and how it made him physically feel and how he used it? Either as a third party way to communicate with you or as a way to deflect? I'm not sure exactly, but will you talk about that because I found that to be really fascinating throughout your book.
4: Thank you for bringing up the alien baby because I love the alien baby. <laughs> and when my father said that he felt you know he felt like he had an alien baby inside of him, I feel like on one level it was it was the sickness that he was experiencing. so that would be on the surface. But more metaphorically, that opening up that he did with me felt very foreign to him. And by releasing a lot of the emotions that he was either incapable of doing before or or unwilling to, I'm assuming felt awful and awkward initially, and was like giving birth to To something he'd not seen before, you know, an an alien, so to speak. So I feel like there were a few things tied around the alien baby.
3: I thought that was an amazing part of the book. Like when I first read it, I'm like, it's first, I mean, literally the first time I read it, I'm like, was he crazy? <laughs> and, and then it got in front of him, I'm like, oh no, he was just interesting. Your father seemed really interesting to me. And when I you actually sent me a, a photograph of him, because I'd asked you where he came up with the title, and there was a photograph of him with a cake that said, good luck, Bill on it. And uh, and P.S., handsome. I'm just going to say your father, like really handsome dude. So we all, you know, every day we're always in earth school. And if you could kind of pinpoint what you really felt were your earth school lessons from this, I think everybody would like to know, including me. Like, what do you see them as? It's your life. So what do you, what have you felt from it?
4: I feel like. One of the strongest things I learned from that experience, and, and one of the earth school lessons I gained from from Bill and from that time, and is is forgiveness, and because it really freed us both up to just be our authentic selves. The walls, my gosh, the walls we both had up, and had we not been able to to find that forgiveness in our hearts, or if I hadn't been able to say like you know, I'm gonna have to at some point accept this human being for who he is and forgive him if I'm gonna move forward. And even if that meant like that's the end of that, then we didn't even have to have a relationship after that, but I had to do something. We have my own alien baby, right? And just kind of <laughs> put that baby to, to rest because it was like a, an appendage like stuck to me that I didn't even know I was carrying around.
2: That's what happens so much. Like it robs us from actually we we think we're hiding behind it. Or we're protecting ourselves from feeling something, so we just put up that wall right. instead of actually moving through it to end up being our true nature, right? right? Without being fully present for ourselves. And I just think that's such an amazing lesson,
4: you know, i I feel as like tickney Han, if I'm saying that right or not, yeah. but yeah. he he had something that I read at the time, actually when i was was when I was talking with Bill that he tries to look at people and see the five year old within mm-hmm. and that struck me really hard because if you look at any human being and imagine them as you know remembering that that essence before the world got a hold of them you it's impossible to hate them <laughs> it, it, it really is impossible and i find that to be such a useful tool and such a, a powerful way to look at a situation. I mean, of course, some five-year-olds are completely obnoxious. <laughs> we want nothing to do with them. <laughs> but a bigger picture, just that before the world laid its shit on you, you know? I mean, and I try to, to live that way all the time.
2: You gather these tribes and these communities all around you and are supporting them so fully. This is how you live your life. It's, it's extraordinary. I try not to
4: judge. That's, I would say I was very judgmental as a younger kid, and I'm not so much now.
3: I, I, I love that that is what you just said. I think that especially where we are today in the world and culturally, it's like all anybody does is like they're just throwing judgment all over the place. But even prior to the craziness that has happened in this country, judgment is one of those things that that really, it's a low vibration.
2: It is a low vibration. And and when you can, really, you are one of the most compassionate people, Carrie. Thank you. Yeah, thank
3: this you. is a love fest. I mean, come back. Jeez, this is fantastic. Since our show is called Insider's Guide to the Other Side, has Bill reached out to you, he out to you. Since, he departed? since he departed?
4: Yes, he has. He has reached out to me a few times. I hear him. I know exactly when it's him because his voice is very distinguished and And we have conversations still. I had a reading with Brenda last year and he came through. Actually, one of the first times I met Brenda was at a spirit messages at a yoga studio. And I knew Bill would come through and he did. And that was, that was wild. Brenda's a gift with that. It's amazing. But yeah, he comes through. Sometimes he'll change the radio. He'll put a song on and I know it's him, but yeah. But not and, too much, because I'd tell him just like back it off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> They'll
2: still need my space.
4: Like, come on, Bill.
2: And, and music is such a thread in your relationship.
4: Yes. I would consider it like the third character in the book, actually. I mean, it I really would. helped both of us who are, I think we're both pretty awkward. You know, we're, he and I both are... Good at talking to people, but when it came to talking to each other, we needed a buffer. And so, music definitely is magic, and it helped us just open up different conversations all the time. And I loved hearing the music that he would want me to listen to because it was saying things that he couldn't say. And again, I felt like that was just spirit coming through and sort of playing, you know, and making sure we we
2: we held ourselves together and connect. It gave you that that thread, that connection. Yeah. My dear listeners, my elf in her hotel room is having a little echoey situation, so I'm going to ask her question for her. This is not channeled. She actually asked for this. <laughs> but, and her question is, as an author, Carrie, she's you know, having the experience. My book is complete, and there are things that she would change in her book, for sure. And she was wondering if you had the same experience. Are there things you would change, want to add or take out?
4: no. I wouldn't change anything about it because I feel like it was very raw but simple. You know the way that the entire experience went. I like the spareness that and just the organic way that that it all flowed. I wouldn't go back and change it. I think if I did, it, it would lose its authenticity.
2: I love that answer so much.
3: I actually have a question because there is no doubt that the three of us, again, I think this is a kind of great for the listeners is like what we share is we do have these daddy issues. We are three daughters of alcoholics. And it's, and I'm really curious about like what would everybody say to anybody else who who's, has dealt or dealing with something like this? What is that internal dialogue that you would hope to help somebody change? Like, and my answer to that is it's not you. 'Cause I think we it's we when we're kids, when we're younger, when we're young adults, whatever it may be, is like we carry this stuff around and we build up these walls and because we think that it was an an, an offense to us, an attack on us, but it actually had nothing to do with us.
4: No, I feel like that's super powerful and true because I mean, as a kid, you just wonder, what did I do? You know, did I do something wrong? And then as an adult, if you don't if you're not aware of the role that an alcoholic plays in the family. And then what that does to others, which typically leads to codependency, right? And so you just keep repeating that same exact thing and most likely attracting a similar energy into your life because you're going to always be trying to fix it, right? And so once you become aware, like if you have a parent that's an alcoholic or have that in your family and you don't just face that like, Hey, you know what? I'm probably fucked up from that. And I need to take an examination and I need to tap in and, you know, find some support. And, and I had to realize that how codependent I was like, well, he didn't love me. So because I probably did something wrong and that's why he drank so much. And many of us take on all that responsibility. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're what age you are. If you're a little kid, you're a teenager, you're young adult, you're, you could be a 85 years old and hearing this right now and stop that thinking like right away and break that cycle of codependency because it's, that's, it's hard to carry around. But once you get past it, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that's real. That is so real, Julie, because we do think we did something wrong.
3: In, in my world, it, it led to self-esteem. I had a dad that was an alcoholic Parents got a divorce. Of course, mom thought she was making a good decision. She just turned around and made another bad one. Sorry, Margaret. Never had a good picker, Margaret. But you were an amazing mom. And but it led to all those questions about yourself, right? And I think that anybody who's dealt with this on on both sides, by the way, because I have very close friends that are also former alcoholics that are struggling and dealing with these existential questions about what they have, how they've affected their world and the people around them. And what I have talked to people about in the past has been, you must know one thing it ain't about you, baby, even though it feels like it. And I say that not so you don't feel important because that's another issue that people feel is that they're not important, right? They're dealing with it. It's like either being attacked, you're not important or being ignored, you're not important, but it really isn't about you. So there's, it's very tangled. It's a very hard thing for us to work through. This is not a show about dealing with alcoholic parents, but is a very important thing about about our School Lessons and really, you know, what is some of the first step to take to have a better life for ourselves and for those ones that are around us?
2: I think that is all really important for people. And I don't think you have to have an alcoholic parent to have some of these experiences, right? So I I would invite people to to don't stop listening because you're like, well, my parents didn't drink or whatever, because we all have dysfunctional behavior that impacted us. But I want to talk also about just the format of the book, because Carrie, you, you know how you said you wouldn't change anything. The book is simple in its accessibility. You're dealing with really complex things, relationships with a parent who disappeared for 20 years that nobody talked about, which made it even bigger than what it would have been if they had still talked about them or something. you know. Like, And we all have things that feel really big to us, especially from our childhood. And to have the presence, to have the knowing, to have the guidance and the centeredness within yourself, even though it's scary to go to that place and meet another vulnerable human in your own vulnerability is how you live without regret. And to me, the forgiveness piece, the, the openness to this and welcoming this, even though you know it's gonna be painful and weird and awkward and all that, and then have it be vulnerable all over again, was an extraordinary advanced or school journey that you share so generously in a very small, short book. Like it's so accessible. I really hope people will pick this up and give themselves this gift and give yourself the gift of listening to the musical cues and the guides in each chapter because you know there's an invitation with music to have your own experience, to join that frequency in this specific way. I think it was brilliant.
4: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so- I'm gonna wrap up our time with Carrie Hertzner. Good luck, Phil. We hope you will pick it up, that you will open your hearts and experience this journey of bravery and heartbreak and blessings and healing and strength and such a strong, strong invitation into the complexities and the sacred joy of Earth School journey. Thank you so much.
3: Our school is hard, folks. And Carrie, do you want to like finish it up for me? Our school is hard. Without
2: the other side.
3: That's right. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thanks for joining us, everyone. And a special thanks to our producer, Maya Cole, who guides us while we guide you. Hit us up on
3: Instagram at Other Side Guides or shoot us a note at Other Side Guides at iHeartRadio.com. And you can even call us at 833-22-GUIDE
2: to leave us a message. We want to know what you think, we want to know what you know, and we want to hear your stories. And remember, earth school is hard without the other side.
3: Insider's Guide to the Other Side is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.